0: hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast we're talk about motivation, experiences and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers I'm Ethan and I'm Jared and today
1: we're here with Ben the man and Ben is gonna talk to us today or with us today about analytics. Ben, thank you for joining us.
2: I'm really stoked to be here. Thank you. Uh,
1: ben is a fellow for those of you who don't know uh, I am a data analyst/ data scientist/ data manager. Uh, there's lots of different titles that we have, uh, but I got my master's in data science from Northwestern uh,
2: and I work in the data field and you do as well then, right? I do. Yeah. I my I guess my technical title is senior data scientist, nice. but I mean, I've done a lot of different things. Analyst, engineer, mm-hmm. um, dashboarder. Uh, yes. Before that, I was a graphic designer, so I've worn many hats.
1: So the episode today is we're going to kind of, I feel like sometimes we don't talk about the things that are like really close to us because we feel like, oh, I already know that. But I think a lot of people out there might be interested to hear about data science and hear about some of the, we're going to share some case studies today and that they're just really cool. Ben actually does his own consulting business on the side. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how he helps small businesses uh, do some of their analytics and uh, it's going to be a great episode. So let's go ahead and dive in. Sweet. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back.
2: The most valuable commodity I know of is information.
0: And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody.
2: You're not the devil, you're practice.
1: All right, Ben. So I think that one of the first questions folks have is like, you know, what kind of educational background might I need to get into data science?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I th- there's a lot of things that a data scientist can do. There's kind of a famous picture uh, that people pass around. So it's three. It's a, it's a three ring Venn diagram. And uh, one of them is kind of hacker skills, developer skills. Another one is... Um, like a, uh, I guess you could say business savvy skills. And then the other one is like statistics skills. You put all of those three together, the intersection between both all three of them is a data scientist. Yeah. So you probably have seen them I and seen that go around. Um, and people have, yep. you know, data sci- scientists have, you know, a varying degree of those skills and they usually come from one of those angles. Yep. Um, I came from the more of a, a developer, um, skill and kind of learned more of the statistics um, as I've gone on.
1: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So my, my background, I guess, was a little bit more. I started out in the kind of the finance realm. yeah. And then I noticed like early in my career that nobody know how to use Excel. And I did. So I was like, OK, well, I can build all this crazy, cool stuff that no one knows how to do and solve lots of problems, especially right out of my career earlier in my career when it was kind of a younger company. Uh, so that was a really cool thing that I was like. Lots of people don't have the skill set, and I was in the finance realm, uh, and I kind of realized that I had a knack for, you know, automating things and and doing, just like writing macros and stuff. Then I was like, okay, well now, I think I might want to transition more into this. One reason why I transitioned out of investing into data science is because I actually like investing, and when you work oh. for Goldman Sachs, like I worked for Goldman, I worked for other funds. Other places and I couldn't actually invest any of my own money in the market because of all these restrictions that I had Oh, because I had insider knowledge of who was, you know buying stuff. I Gotcha. And so they didn't allow me to, I mean, I remember one time I tried to buy a gold or an oil ETF mm-hmm. And it took I had to reach up to my managing director at Goldman Sachs and ask them if I could buy this And then I had to wait six months and then I had to bug them again if I wanted to sell it Oh gosh, and I was like, yeah, this is not really conducive to trading so I actually had to leave the industry to actually be able to trade.
2: <laughs> so, so so everybody in the industry is like that, right? Everybody who Pretty all your much. all your peers and coworkers they weren't able to do any type of personal investing.
1: No, uh, very limited, or wow. or they could just buy and hold. Essentially, they okay. couldn't do or even single stocks. They couldn't buy single stocks unless oh, wow. it was it was very limited. Uh, the closer you are to the to that financial advising, yeah. uh, the more restricted you are. So wow. it's actually kind of sucks because you're like, oh, I love this industry. I want to get into trading, and then you get into it, and you're like, wow. Well, can't hardly do anything in my personal portfolio now.
2: Somebody else's money. Yep, Not as fun. So
1: that's when you just buy a bunch of crypto. Exactly. And that's why you get it into crypto because they <laughs> can't regulate regulated. that. Yeah. Way. And so that's, I did, I definitely did that.
2: Uh, did, did that work out? Uh, TBD. I got you. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Next episode, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Get,
1: call me soon. Call me in six years. Yeah. <laughs> and that's episode 204, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to announce my retirement, uh, baking millions of dollars in crypto. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I think you're right. I think it starts with kind of an interest in data. Uh, uh, there's so many different avenues, like you talked about. There's being a business analyst. There's being a dashboarder, like building Tableau or building. There's just like there's this like design aspect from it. You started in a graphic design, so you kind it, of have that
2: flair of creativity, right? It's it's a very small flair. <laughs> uh, ben started out as a, as a graphic designer and public relations writer, oh, okay. and I learned very quickly that that is not what I was good at. <laughs> um, I had a lot of awkward conversations with my manager when I was like behind deadlines or when I wasn't able to do things. And, and, uh, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. Like I was, I was always a hard worker. I was always in, in their office. And they were always telling me like, hey, you know, we need to, we need to kind of step it up or you're not going to have a future here. And I'm like, huh? Uh, okay. And then, uh, I, I, I met somebody randomly that, uh, it, at my company and I was just handing out resumes trying to get out and I met them. And they are like, I have a job in technology. You want to, you want to jump in on that? And I was like, sure. Something else. I think I like technology. My dad's been in technology, and jumped in. And man, I haven't looked back since. Like that's the way my brain is wired. I realized that's and awesome. It took me a while, but I got there.
0: Well, I think one thing with <clears throat> with data as well is that it, can, it it is so widely applicable to so many different things that it's uh I mean, it can be applied to anything from kind of the, you know, the, the, the finance or financial or investing world. Or I'm, I'm currently reading the book, um, Atomic Habits. And oh. in one part of it talks about, um, kind of when, when, um, lean production became really popular. And so they're talking about how, with, um, this was like in the 80s, late 70s and 80s, the, uh, Japanese were making these televisions and they would measure everything. And so they would have, you know, the person that were, was sitting at the desk putting together these uh, TVs in, in the, the, the facility and they would say, okay, well, if they, if they turn their chair, you know, 90 degrees to grab this tool that was, uh, you know, three feet away from their thing, Could it be more efficient if they were only, you know, two feet away from the specific tool or what tools did they use more than other tools? And they just like basically used all of this, this data, collected all of this data to be able to say, I and it kind of goes in a little bit to this design thing. How can we redefine our? how can we take this data and redefine the space to say, you know, this is the most effective way of completing something or doing something. And then an interesting t- statistic is it was like um, after six months, uh, the American televisions, American built televisions to Japanese built televisions after six months, it was like you were 75% more likely to have, to have your uh, television serviced. If you were it bought an American television yeah. than a Japanese television, just because it was, they used the data, right. To improve how they were completing a task right uh which is kind of outside of what you think of well i mean i don't know if they were using excel or whatever i don't know if excel existed then but they were using some sort of analytical tool to to find out the most efficient way to do it that's for
1: sure probably not if it was that early no
0: 80s probably not (laughs) no
2: no and it's it's uh it's funny you say that so i i guess people always ask me growing up like what i wanted to be and uh I didn't know, I knew in the back of my head, this is, and this is kind of the punchline for the listeners, like this will get to my creed too, this will, we'll touch on it, but I, I knew that I wanted to help a lot of people, and I wanted a skill that would help a lot of people, so I thought for sure I was going to go into some type of disaster relief, that I was going to go and like, to people who like natural disasters just hit, I was going to go have a set of skills, I could go and apply and help anybody in, in a situation, and uh, That did not pan out. I did not do that. Um, But I slowly learned, and before I got my master's in data science, that it's data science, like you had said, Ethan, that it can apply to anybody and everybody has data. And that's also kind of what I have to, I try to talk about in my personal business. You have data and it will help you do tons of things. Let's find out.
1: Oh, yeah. Like half these, almost every single social media company now, they make money off their data, right? Not off of, in the advertising or anything else in fact I have a case study about uh, one company about UPS specifically and the amazing way that they use data uh, they said it's as valuable as the the, the package business uh, Oh, and so it, it's really it's really cool uh, I, I think another aspect of you know like you said mentioned data scientists really I, I feel like you have to be kind of a jack of many trades mm-hmm. uh, like for the past you know, six months in my job, I feel like I've been only a data engineer, mm. uh, and then more like a business consultant. Yeah. Uh, whereas I haven't done any statistical analysis recently, but you know, you got to build up from somewhere when you're in like a place where it's really gray, you know. And so I think that's part of uh, having a being like a Swiss Army knife. You know, mm. you have you can use SQL, you can use Python, you can you know how to use the statistical packages, uh, you can. Use Tableau. You can use these different uh, visualizing softwares. And that's really what my master's degree taught me yeah. is that I can learn anything and that if I don't know it, I can look it up. <laughs> right,
2: and you that's know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you get to the base level. You're not relying on some type of application yeah. or anything because you have this core set of skills and uh, you can apply it. It's, it's really yeah, now. Nice. Tell,
1: tell, me, tell us about your master's degree. What do you feel like you learned from that?
2: Yeah, uh, so I I learned... That becoming a data scientist is kind of like Batman, <laughs> right? So you, Batman's got his cargo belt. And always is, and every every tool is different for a different thing, and that's what you learn in the the master's program. You learn a bunch of different types of tools, and you can, in a master's, you know, it's, uh, they they have some core topics you talk about. You definitely learn a lot about some statistical models, and everybody has to take core statistical models that you understand. Um, but they they can teach you basics of this is how you approach a problem. And this is the way that you would try to solve it. I had my one teacher, I always remember what he talks about and what he said. He said that if you can define a question to be a yes or no, computers can say and solve yes or no questions very easily. It's your job to distill the question down and to feed it in the right way to the machine. But if you can feed it in a yes or no way, the machine will be able to tell you yes or no really easily. And uh, that's I think that's one of the skills that, it, that the school taught us is that okay, yes, there's like technical skills of how to form the data and how to mesh it all together, but it's thinking through and saying, okay, we have like all these skills. Like we could use different types of regression. We could use these things, decision trees. We could use all these different algorithms, but what's the real problem we're trying to solve and how can we get it to the machine to make it understand?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's uh – that's the future, you know. Well, yeah. Nowadays, with ChatGBT, you just uh, say, "Hey, what is what is the answer?" It'll tell you what the answer. Is. It doesn't need to be right. yes or no.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, you've seen you've seen a lot of people. They the more specific they they ask, the more refined you get back. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, so I think it's you know I I love the fact we were we were talking about today yeah. at work all the data scientists chat. Um, we were we were talking about chat, GBT and the opportunities there, and um, it's they're so it's I think the the skills are going to be. Can you think strategically and, and think organically enough to say this is the result that I want to get? We don't have to worry about the how anymore, but it's yeah. the it's the it's the what.
1: Yeah, exactly. I like that. Well, let, let's talk about. I think I think one thing that would be interesting to share with maybe non technical audiences. And sometimes people listen and they're like, "Well, you know, what is data actually?" You know, give right. us some actual uh, numbers or, or some actual case studies. So uh I know that you have maybe a case study in mind or or just an example in mind and I had this one about UPS I wanted to share some uh some information about that but uh, let's maybe hear your your's first on
2: So um so in in 2006 and I mean, I'm going to forget the name of the hurricane, right? But we're going to call it Irene. I think that's wrong. And there's going to be listeners. I'm sure they're going to be like, "Hey, this is wrong." And I'll be like, "Yes, I'm sorry." <laughs> um, so, but for the sake of argument, for the sake of the, of the podcast, we'll say it's Hurricane Irene, 2006. Uh, where were you guys in 2006? You remember graduating high school? Graduating high school. Yeah, I was in high school. I was in high school, I was in. in and that was, was South Carolina high school. North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, Charlotte, yeah. So I was in. I was in Kansas. That's where I graduated high school. But a uh, hurricane came. Uh, in and just, it was a pretty, pretty big hurricane came in central Florida. And, um, as it was coming in, they was predicted, like they were showing, you know, the predicted path of the hurricane Walmart comes in and says, okay, we really want to get things to our Walmarts. So our customers can buy all, you know, these, the specific items and specific things they, they really need. Um, and so the head of the data science or the head of the data of uh, technology she went to her team and said i need you to run all of the data that we have for all of our walmarts before a natural disaster so we know what to stock on the shelves because we those are the things that people need right and we people already told us what they are buying that's through our transaction history so just look through that and figure out what people are buying right before all of these natural disasters so that's a pretty easy thing for a data science, data engineering team to do, right? It's it's you know in our case it's probably just filtering. Yeah, right? just doing a filter on yeah, looking at, look at specific surged, yeah,
0: right, yeah. yeah, But look at specific dates and then just pull whatever product surged before those.
2: Yeah, days. exactly. Yeah, and very easy to graph. Like you just you filter and then you just yeah, exactly. You look at all the products and see what see what's the biggest, big tallest bar, tallest column on the <laughs> yeah. bar chart, right? Milk,
1: bread, eggs.
2: Is that what was your, so that was gasoline. I, I was going to guess. So is it gas, milk, bread, eggs, water, is that, is that what it was? Probably. Water.
1: I would say water, like generators, batteries, you know, propane. If, I know some of them had propane, stuff like that. Beer, beer,
2: beer was number two. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> that it. was right. You're, yeah. So beer was number two. Um, number one was, you, di- you guys didn't, do you want to keep guessing? You uh, have not said it yet.
1: Number, uh, at Walmart,
2: at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, Bagel Bites? (laughs) You're getting closer. (laughs) Snack food. (laughs) Yes. Strawberry (laughs) Pop-Tarts. No way. Strawberry Pop-Tarts was the number one item people were buying before these natural disaster hurricanes and all of these Walmarts. And so they saw that and they said, let's flood the shelves, make sure we have enough Strawberry Pop-Tarts for it. And that's solving a problem, right? Of course, you'd think people would need like, I don't know, like some type of Glossians or, you know, something like generators, but no people that want strawberry pop tarts. So you give the people what they want. They had the other things on hand too, I'm sure. But that's a, that's a, that's a simple way of saying, of showing how powerful data is and how it can show you the right answer when you have probably no idea.
0: They probably made a killing
2: on it too. Oh man. Yeah. Whoever makes pop tarts. <clears throat> probably probably uh, really excited. Pop Tart Bonanza, two thousand six. General Mills. No, General, oh, General. Thank you. Yeah. So General yeah. Mills is.
0: Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I did uh, inventory management for um, a retail company, okay. uh, a retail store uh, that had like eight thousand stores around the United States, and uh, that was my area that I managed the inventory for was the cookie cracker section. It oh. was and the Pop Tart well, man, and then anything from uh, from Cinnamon Toast Crunch to Oreos to. Yeah. To Vienna sausages. And uh so everybody
2: knocks, everybody knocks Vienna going. sausages. I think they're good. I think they're good too. That's do you get any free samples?
0: Uh, yeah, actually I gained like thirty pounds. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. Congratulations. Just yeah. that
0: there we had a we had a drawer. So <laughs> you know, yeah, the suppliers would just send us like boxes and boxes sure. of samples. And so we had this massive filing cabinet that you know, they have like the drawers that like a person could like crawl at like lay in. And uh, oh, one wow. of those drawers was just full of anything from like beef jerky to Oreos to, I mean, anything you can imagine, chips and this and that and the other. And so, yeah, it was bad.
2: So all these, all these places, <laughs> all these new places are like, hey, we're hip. We you know we have snacks. Yours is like we have a Vienna sausages yeah, and drawers yeah. you can lay in. It know. was funny because
0: <laughs> it awesome. was funny because I I was trying to build relationships across the organization, and so I would. Uh, I would go and I would uh, sit with the transportation team, and I would you know do a whole kind of a, a a day shadowing the transportation team, or I'd go sit with kind of our global sourcing team or whatever else. And anytime I would go anywhere, I would always bring like a bunch of uh, things out of that drawer and just be like, "Oh, hey, hey come you know, bear and yeah, yeah. friends fast." Everybody freaking loved it when that's I came awesome. around.
1: Yeah, Ethan, hey, Ethan's, Ethan's back. back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. But there
0: was, I mean, there was other people that were in in, in kind of the food area too that did similar. To, to that but it was fun that's awesome
1: so I want to talk about this UPS thing so yeah. they have this uh, this system called Orion oh. which is their on-road integrated optimization and navigation system so they recently built this in, to, in 2012 uh, to make their deliveries more efficient uh, but like they have an incredible amount of data they track literally almost every single little thing in these trucks because they want to be so incredibly efficient i'll give you some numbers here to kind of explain that i mean they've even won awards they've been uh they were recognized by the international data corporation as the best in future operations wow. uh, for their driving program so just some of the stuff that they track i mean they track uh they have computer like sensors all over the truck uh they track every single little thing they obviously track your packages and all that kind of stuff uh the the thing that you sign you know, your package with, I mean, it's all electronic now that tracks a lot of us that used to do that on paper. So that's just like one efficiency. They track seatbelt buckles. Uh, They track your door. uh, If it's opened or closed, how long is what it is. They actually found that opening and closing the door was wasting a lot of time. Uh, Just to give you a stat here, just one minute per driver per day over the course of a year adds up to $14.5 million. Holy cow. So if they can shave off one minute, then that's they save that much money. Wow! And so that's why all the drive around with their doors open. That makes sense because they don't want to have to opening and closing their door.
2: I thought it was just for air conditioning. I thought they were cheap.
1: Well, the they vehicles don't even have air conditioning in them. Okay, so it is for. Air so air conditioning they cut too. down on that too. Oh, wow!
0: Don't they? Don't they track like all the way down to like the the people's
1: steps? Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I'm not. Sure. I haven't. Didn't read about steps, uh, but they do track a ton of other stuff like the ignition. Uh, they track. Uh, the idols, uh, They said that one minute of idle per driver per day is worth $500,000 of fuel at the end of the year. So that's why they turn their vehicles off every single time they get out of the car. And wow. I mean, the, the, the whole truck has sensors all over it. And yeah. even like parts that say, hey, the truck needs to be washed now or this part might need to be replaced. So they're trying to run these machines and kind of people as well, just like a well-oiled machine. Right. Did it also talk about right-hand turns? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. so, they, uh, there's, so there's a black box in the back of the truck that kind of uploads all this data when they get back into the, the warehouse at the end of the night, right? Okay. Uh, so the data, uh, the, one of the guys who's over this data thing, his name was Jack Levis, uh, or Levis, uh, he is in charge of the USPS data. He said, the data uh, are about as important to us as the packages are. So that gives you an idea about this level of importance they say on this. So they, um, said that they have over 250 million data points that they track. Uh, so some of their different findings are just incredible. So one is that the team figured out how to use sensors in the truck to predict when a part will break. Uh, so they're, they're calling this the predictive maintenance maintenance, to just keep their stuff going, uh, optimized the routing. And that's where the Orion system comes in. Uh, Optimizes all of their the routes and stuff. Apparently, this system evaluates over two hundred thousand alternatives ways to run a single route. And right. one of the things Ethan just mentioned is that their routes avoid going against the flow of traffic yeah. because it creates more idle time for the engine. So they only route their all the routes prioritize right turns, so they don't have to turn left. That makes sense. So that you keep, awesome. keep with the flow of traffic. Right. Uh, another one of their stats here is that. Uh, one mile per day per driver could result in saving of 1.5 million gallons of fuel per year, which equates to 50 million dollars in savings annually. Uh, so that's a lot of I mean, one mile, just one mile. And so part of that is like they don't want have people like forgetting packages and have, oh I have to go back and you know do this reroute. So they use uh kind of the computer to help them pack. The truck the most efficient way that they possibly can so that no packages are missed so they don't have to go back to do anything uh, they monitor your driving habits if you're backing up often mm-hmm. uh, they don't want you to back up because yeah. it's more more well liability you're more likely to hit somebody right uh, they don't want you to do u-turns uh, and, and other types of behaviors so they're tracking every single thing you do they don't want you like speeding up and then stopping they want you just kind of going at a steady pace because it reduces the amount of gas uh, one of the, there was an article and the driver's the driver was like, yeah, you know, I do feel kind of like big brothers always watching me, but you know, we're, they're some of the best paid, uh, drivers in the business. Right. And they make like seven, I think I saw something about 77 K a year was what they make. And, uh, they used to do about, uh, 90 deliveries a day before this. And now they do 120 to 175 wow. deliveries a day. So they are just like incredibly efficient uh there was a status at an article that was as of 2014 so you, it's a little bit older obviously it's probably way higher now but it says uh since tw- 2001 they're using uh the data to optimize the routes and since then they have saved over 39 million gallons of fuel and avoided 364 million miles so i mean they're saving it's tons of powerful. money yeah. and for your stockholders you know if you were to implement in this system like this And your own shares in this company, you're like, dude, we're saving so much money. I'm making unbelievable amounts of money. Uh, And I think that, uh, let's see, I have one more here. Oh, yeah, the the, the highest paid ones. uh, They said that since 2012, uh, when Orion program started, UPS has saved about 100 million miles per year, as well as 10 million gallons of fuel per year. Hmm. So it's estimated that this program saves them about hundred million to two hundred million dollars a year. It's so some serious dough. Yeah, that they ch- well. An interesting thing day.
0: is there. So there's like a couple stages to this, right? There's the the identification stage. There's that maybe it could be done better, and there's kind of the the measurement phase of you know putting the sensors on the cars and the, putting the sensors on the trucks and and looking at the routes and everything else. And then it gets you know once it's all the data is collected. And then you kind of bring in, right, the data scientists to analyze all that data, compile it all together and use the use that information to create new strategies that work better or that could work better. And then they probably went through tons of testing and they said, "Okay, we're going to take these 50 trucks and we're going to only make right turns for the next month and see what happens. And then. You know, it, it, it's just, it's, it's a progression it's an as iterative it goes through. Process. Yeah, yeah. Really, really cool how just the, the power of, of data comes into.
2: Yeah.
1: It's cool. Yeah.
2: Well, we use data everywhere, right? Like uh, it, if you have, I, I have a smartwatch, right? And it, it tracks in my steps like that's data and that's information that that's being used. I, I the way I kind of distill it is that if information is saved over time, it's data. Like some you know we're, we're, if we're tracking it your likes on social media that's data. your uh, if you have any type of uh, you know home security system, it's tracking data. Now if you have a smart device or smart kitchen, smart anything, it's tracking it. That's data that's being saved and can be used in any way and the, the cool thing about it is that it's it's everywhere and available to any company, not just UPS.
1: Yeah, uh, these guys are keeping their their uh, system proprietary, a little close to the vest, obviously, because sure. it's saving them tons of money. Uh, but you're right, I mean, like there's data everywhere. One thing, I, one interesting thing I think about what happens when we have data everywhere is that you kind of start to micromanage your life a little bit. You know, mm. if you're like, oh my gosh, I only got this many hours of sleep last night, or I only got this many steps today, or my heart rate was up at this time of day time of night, or you know, I was. You know, doing this little thing or, or especially with the blood tests nowadays, you can get uh, allergy tests and blood tests done outside of the doctor's office. And you're like, oh, I need to up my, you know, this vitamin level here. And, right. and then you're, sometimes you have non-educated uh, summaries, like ideas of what you should do with the data that you have yeah. because we're so in the weeds on, on everything in our lives. Right. So maybe that's a little bit of the downside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a quote that I like, uh, and I'm gonna
0: probably butcher it, but it says it's uh when um it's like when when data is measured, performance improves. When data is measured and reported, the rate of improvement increases. Oh, yeah. And I've always just kind of really liked that, that you can have all the data in the world, but if you're not reporting it or utilizing it then you know it's not gonna not gonna do you any good right but so so tell us Ben a little bit about how have you implemented data into your life I know you uh, uh, you do some consulting on the side tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah so I uh, so I remember it was my first my first class I took in uh, for my data science program um, it was very high level it was supposed to be like the Overall, the entire course and the course study of your master's program, this is kind of a flavor of what you're going to do. And I think the use case was uh, somebody from the military is just coming home and they have these certain requirements for college education. Here's some data on colleges. Recommend them the best one. Um, And I started to realize that uh, all these things in my life have come together, right? So earlier before I came, like anything in the data, I knew I always wanted to help a lot of people. And I knew slowly that data was kind of the answer, and then I was starting to learn that there were tools available. Like I, I think before to analyze data, there were these tools that were kind of behind locked doors. Um, oh, sorry. yeah. So uh, tools behind locked doors. So they, you know, you had to buy these really sophisticated applications that were ex- so expensive. Um, but they would they started teaching us tools, you know, like like Python or like SQL that were available to anybody. Um, so I started to say, oh. You know everybody has some sort of data and really the the only blocker for somebody to start having savings equitable to what ups has is not so much like the resources they have in terms of data because data is really cheap it's cheap to save information it's cheap to save data the lack of of resource they have is somebody to make sense of it and you know, keeping that in mind, I, I thought, well, there's lots of businesses out there that could really benefit from, you know, these insights, right? If, if I could go to a company and say, I could save you, you know, 20% on your income or make you 20% more or save you 20% of time, you know, that's, a, that's a big deal to them, especially like a small and medium-sized business who, you know, maybe they have a little bit of breathing room. They're working not so much, you know, in the business or on the business the entire time or in the business, they have a little bit of breathing room, but they don't have the the funds to have this giant analytical arm in a department like UPS has or these bigger companies. Um, there's opportunities out there, and it's not too expensive for them. So that's that's kind of how I got started um, doing that, and um, it's been really nice.
0: Well, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, if you go to a company and you say, hey, I can save you. If you pay me $1,000 a month, I can save you $5,000 a month. Right. It's just kind of like, you know, why, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you can actually prove that legitimately, then I mean, what company wouldn't do that? I mean, it's kind of a net save of four thousand dollars a month for them, so they're like, oh hey, you know, that's great, especially for a small business or whatever it might be. Right.
2: Well, there's a there's a stat I like to share. It's um they said if if you can harness your data fifteen percent more than you already are, for a Fortune five hundred company, you can make uh, five hundred thousand dollars. Just 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 maybe like 10% more harnessing your data. Now imagine if you're like a Fortune 2000 company or Fortune 1000 company, right? Like that's these small medium sized businesses. That's still maybe like $5,000 or an extra, you know, $50,000 for them. And that's just by harnessing their data just 10% more than what they already are. And that all that could be is looking at their data more and maybe maybe making one more key indicator and saying, "I'm going to track that a little bit more." That could be $50,000 for them in their pocket by the end of the year
1: yeah i think that there's so there's kind of a lot of different ways to do you know data consulting i think that one is like you have like processes like yeah. ups is a process and so it's like how can we make this process smoother and you just try to make it smoother and smoother and smoother and smoother smoother and you just kind of streamline that and streamline that whereas sometimes the data analytics is more of like marketing it's like which is a kind of a different realm you know mm-hmm. and i know you've done some marketing right with some yeah. of your companies. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us a story about like how you've, cause that's a little bit different than, I mean that's kind of a different area of data science that go into that marketing piece. Like doing, explain, I know you've done one with someone recently, so can you talk about that? Maybe that story?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, so, so I have a friend, Ken, uh, he owns a escape room and uh, he was, he, 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 he's very technology forward. So when I was talking to him, he's like, why don't you look at my data and I said, okay, well, you know, we can't just look at the data. What's a, what's a problem that you have? And so he said, well, I'm, I'm marketing a lot of different places, and I don't know what's bringing in the money, right? So I think that happens a lot of people. They send out commercials or they send out different advertisements. Maybe it's through ads and papers, or, and that's what he was doing. So he had, he had commercials, he had ads in local newspaper, and he um, had a lot of Facebook ads. Uh, a lot of social media ads. And then he had another extension that he had bought after somebody fiz- finishes an escape room, he gives it a discount. And so he said, okay, what's, what's really bringing in the money? I don't know. And I'm spending, Oh, and another one was Google. He was spending $500 a month on Google ads. And he's like, but a... what's, what's, what's really bringing it in. Right. Is like, am I spending the right amount of money? Yeah. So I, uh, I, I looked at all of it. Um, we, we correlated it with his sales and a little data science stuff, uh, high high level. We just merged up his sales against his ads, and saw different trends. And what we saw was that Google ads, the timing that Google ads went out, didn't necessarily have a strong effect on his sales and what was going on. So I said, okay, just as an experiment, you know, this isn't this isn't an exact science. It's a data science. So we predict a probability that Google ads is not, not very effective or not very, uh, you know, conducive to your sales for a couple months. Don't spend any money on Google. See how your sales go. So, and again, so he was spending about $500 a month on Google ads. So, so it's a, it's a pretty big part. I think it was the biggest part of his marketing. Yeah. For a small time business. Oh yeah. You know, it's just him and his wife running it and and they're, and they're great. um, But it's a, it's a big chunk. So, uh, so he did it. So he he stopped his Google ads for a while, and he didn't notice any blip in sales. And uh, so, so I so he kept that going and said, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna adjust I'm gonna do a little bit more with Google, but I'm not gonna do as much as I was anymore. And it saved him. I mean, five hundred dollars a month, nice. Signs, Twelve months, like yeah. that's that's a pretty good chunk of change. Well, and what's
0: kind of cool too is that if you mashed that up with uh, like his Facebook ads or something like that. Or his newspaper ads, and you did see a significant tick after one of the after we ran one of those ads, and you could say, okay, we'll take two hundred dollars out of that five hundred budget, now throw it on Facebook ads or throw it on the newspaper ad, and increase that budget, and then see if you have an even larger tick after that. Right. Uh, which is cool how that works out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's and that's the thing with with data. There's a lot of opportunities as you're going towards. the the solution that you're trying to solve, you find a lot of cool things along the way. So, you know, we were trying to find out what's the least expensive and you were, you just found it like, what's, what's the most conducive. Let's spend more money on that. So it's great.
1: And also like understanding seasonalities, high demand seasons, like I'm sure around like the Christmas holiday that maybe they get a lot of people in town visiting family and they're like, Hey, let's go to something fun. Mm -hmm. Let's go to an escape room, you know? So it's like being able to predict when you have a high season versus a low season and not just off of like gut you know, yeah. I mean, essentially, I just this just came to my mind, but I want to get your thoughts. Isn't like a farmer's almanac basically like data data science of like yesteryear?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're uh, yeah. It's it, data science. It's really cool. Data can only do four things that we talk about, right? So, data can it can describe what happened, it can um, uh, di- diagnose what is currently happening, and it can predict and it can prescribe things. Those are the only four things it can do. But so, yeah almanac falls right in line this is what happened in the past you know predict and and every, that is every time
0: there was an easterly wind over the south field it rained two days
1: after that with the so red moon the
2: hedgehog's building a bigger bigger house <laughs> yeah, the winter is coming
1: yeah so we have uh, so I, the, I was talking about the different types of analytics we have kind of like process driven we have this marketing kind of sales driven what are some other types of analytics do you think people typically
2: do with businesses oh man um Oh, there's, there's so much uh, that we've been to predictive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you think about it from a predictive state, I mean, people are trying to ask questions, um, all about their data. So, you know, um, UPS said it, predictive maintenance is mm-hmm. a big thing. So if you have a lot of uh, machines, airplanes, yep. that's another big thing. Um, they use that, uh, the medical field is starting to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard about some case studies where, uh, 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 somebody will come in and say, I have, you know, these, the, you know, these symptoms and somebody Mm -hmm. sitting behind the desk typically does not have the medical training. Yeah. So they'll put in, they could put in the symptoms into the computer and instead of, you know, going to the next doctor who's open, that may not be the right specialist. Yeah. You know, the personnel to get bounced around the computer can help diagnose and say probability is you want to send to doctor a, so let, let them talk to Dr. A. You know, Interesting. It's, it's according, not according
0: to the average of the past thousand people we've seen with similar symptoms. It's most likely A, B, or C. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Yeah, that's cool. One of the ways that we use predictive analytics and or, or trying to use it is well, in the in the finance world, I guess is is you're trying to predict you know what stocks are going to pop, what stocks are going to drop. Uh, you can look at their pull in their like for, uh, SEC filings in, like, 10Ks and like ten Ks and ten Qs, and you can. Look at those, and you can scrape them for positive or or negative sentiment type words. Uh, And then you can say whether, well, I think maybe this is going to be good or bad. In fact, at at ChatGBT, uh, they were saying that you just go and like pull in the entire, just go and highlight all of the 10K or the quarterly filings of, say, Google or Tesla. Sure. And then you just go and you just paste it in ChatGBT and say, summarize this in like four sentences. Is this a positive or negative sentiment? And it'll just tell you whether it's a positive or negative sentiment. Wow! So that's, that's pretty, it's pretty revolutionary. It's pretty powerful, yeah. Because companies are building all kinds of systems to be able to to scrape these and look, uh, you know, whenever the Fed comes out with their minutes and uh, their meeting minutes, right? Everybody's always scouring, looking for the tiniest words of you know, bearish or bullish, you know, and right. so th- sometimes having a computer do that, you automatically make a trade. And then, hey, you're, you're maybe 0.0001 seconds ahead of the market. That's why in the New York Stock Exchange, yeah. you have these companies that are as close as they could possibly get to the stock exchange. Okay. Because the internet out of these stock exchanges is 0.0001 seconds faster really? than it is of someone who's further away from the stock exchange. I didn't and so they that. can make quicker trades. So okay. that is an advantage. There's a. a a book called flash boys okay it's about like algorithmic trading yeah and how basically you know they're way they're way way ahead of any, any normal investor is in the market because they're just they're physically closer and the Internet's physically faster and they can make trades way ahead of time
2: Wow so you go install some fiber for them and, yeah.
1: and they could take credit advantage of arbitrage opportunities as well uh-huh. so like say this exchange is trading for you know a dollar uh, and this exchange over here is trading for Ninety eight cents, they can buy up a bunch on this exchange over here of ninety eight cents, and then sell for a dollar over here. Wow! And so, you know, that with computers is just, you know, really cool.
2: That's wild. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I like. I was thinking about another one. Uh, kind of like propensity models. Do you ever do anything like that with your work?
2: Um, and uh, give me a use case.
1: So, like with something that we do is, uh, we would say, what is so this client's propensity to adopt this? other product Mm. uh so what we'll do is you know i work with a company that you know works with financial advisors and we'll say okay we have a client that you know has you know a 529 plan they have a 401k and they have a trust account Uh, but other clients like them also have you know this cash you know service that we have maybe that person would be interested in this cash service so we'll like do like a uh you know they have maybe a high propensity for cash because sure. they're similar to others who have earned that same cluster, uh, who have the same products, and so we'll suggest to the advisor, hey, next time you're on the phone, talk to this person about cash, this cash product
2: that we have, maybe they'll like it. So you're using like K and N or what are you doing?
1: Yeah, well, so, so, you know we're doing that, and sometimes we're just looking at. Sometimes we're doing that. Sometimes we're just looking at the very basic of like. Does this person have this product? Yes or no. Okay. Uh, if not, let's push it to because they because they're in a position where they should. They might, likely might need it. So, sure. In okay. some cases, we could do that, but in some cases, we would do have kind of clusters. Okay. Uh, and then propose that. Yeah. Is that
0: kind of comparable to uh, how if you're just if your phone is off but it's on the counter but you're talking about like baby cribs or you're talking about gym shorts or something like that whenever you open your phone then it's gonna like start uh, giving you ads I mean, for, uh, possibly, yeah. for for those things it's it, the it, high it, propensity for yeah. baby cribs yeah it listens to your conversations or 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 uh, it takes all of your search data and then it gives you suggestions on things that that you know other people have searched similar things to you and also this other thing so we're gonna we're gonna you know show you an ad of this other thing to because right. you might be at a higher propensity to to click on it or to buy it or whatever
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: it, yeah. I, it can can and does happen, so yeah.
0: The kind of the last question that I had, and we, we we've kind of talked about this with the the GBT. Basically, ChatGBT, for those of you who don't know is a, a kind of a, an AI or an artificial intelligence type um, program that you can ask questions or that you can give big data sets, and it will compute or give answers to whatever uh, those questions might be. How do you see, and in in my job, we um, have been implementing a lot of like these kind of these bot situations where we'll just, you know, have someone that'll program a bot to do an an analytical task and then it'll just run, you know, three or four times a day. How do you see uh, AI kind of changing the future of technology and analytics?
2: This is, a, this is a big question I will say that is beyond my pay grade. I will answer it the best I can, but I will note for everybody listening, I'm not the, the qualified person to answer this. but um, there and, and again, today we were talking about it as, a, as our data science team. Um, kind of the opportunities that exist there. Some people are very doom and gloom about it. Like, it's it's scary, right? You, you Everybody's going
0: to lose their job because they're going to be replaced by computers.
2: You, yeah, you watch it like... like the I, There was iRobot scenes being passed around from YouTube and like, hey, watch this. This is going to happen, right? But then other people, um, myself included, were passing around like Star Trek scenes and saying, yeah. hey, you know, like the computer can do tons of stuff. We can yeah. replicate food. You know, it's going to go that way. Um, what I'm seeing a lot of... And, you know, you can definitely, I want to hear your guys' opinions as well, is there is a, um, an optimism that exists. And I think in the end, computers will always serve people. I don't think computer, computers are ever going to be like, you know, people, Skynet. I don't need people. I, I yeah, like I, the there's singularity. There's people, a, there's people are the
0: virus to be, to be exterminated. And we are the cure, yeah,
1: so. Mr. Anderson. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. So there's this, there's that jump that I don't think we're ever going to get, that I don't think we're ever going to make. So in the end, I think it's all about helping people. And if we can help people more efficiently, like that's, I think that's what's going to, that that, that will always ring true. And so we have things like chat We have, you know, this, what UPS is doing. We have all of these things that have really cut out a lot of the, the what the middle stuff. And, um, you know, some, some people, I was listening to a, to an interview, um somebody predicted that half of the universities because of chat with GTPT, are gonna go out of business. They're gonna go away. And uh, go ahead.
0: Well I was just gonna say, you know, I, I think it's just gonna change. I don't know if it's gonna particularly replace people, but I think it's just it's gonna change how people work, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of hiring some you know, hiring somebody who can write you a bunch of code, you wanna hire someone that can ask the right questions or set up the right parameters to an AI type program and say, write me code that does X, Y, Z, and then it'll kick it out. Right. Um, so I think that, that just the, the need will change or maybe how work is done will potentially change. Um, but there will always be a need for someone like you said, it, it's kind of that relationship to, to, to harness the, or, or give the AI a direction. Yeah. Um. And I kind of think that that is going to be the future of, of the need that is higher that, that people are going to hire for is the ability to kind of uh give a direction to specific tools that, that, that we have, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that in the future people, you know, in the next 10 years on their resume are going to say, Oh, I'm an expert in Chad GBT. Right. I yeah. mean, it's just like, I can utilize it to the top of its ability and not just ask it questions like how do I make
1: more money or which I've done. uh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think that some of these things like nowadays uh, I think analytics is what they call table stakes. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like if you don't, you think FedEx is, if FedEx didn't do analytics like UPS, you think they would be in business? No, they'd be out of business. So you have to do these things to even keep pace with your competitors it's kinda of like nowadays, if you like if you don't have a website, I mean it's like if you don't have a website, you know, what what kind of business are you? If you don't have a social media presence, how are you even making money? Sure. And, and like nowadays it's almost like if you don't have a podcast, like I mean, that's almost becoming like a, a, a method of like, oh, you, know, you have your Instagram account and your own podcast. I mean, most companies have their own podcast now too. Right. Because it's becoming table stakes. And so I, I think what's gonna happen is that AI and, and these like higher level things are just gonna become the new table stakes. I mean like But it's just a new technology like everything else. I mean, you think about when the first man created, you know, when it went from rowing boats to using sails. It's like, hey, well, all these people are going to be out of a job. And it's like, yeah, well, they better wise up and learn how to use, you know, rigging and work these sails. So I think it's going to affect kind of the bottom rung of society that, uh, does these kind of minimum wage, especially, especially procedural jobs, like like, like factory workers and stuff like that. I mean, they've all been replaced by robots at this point for sure. But, uh, folks that are kind of striving to increase their, you know, intellectual ability. And something I tell young data scientists all the time, data analysts, data scientists, as I'm like, you know what, there are a million people that are trying to, uh, Get into this industry. Mm-hmm. I think well, when I was in my master's degree a couple of years ago, someone there was like an article that said that data scientist is the new like the sexiest job of the 21st century, right? Uh, and really, there's a ton of competition coming from India. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like an endless supply of of data analysts, and so whenever I, I talk to anybody, I'm like, you know what? What you can do to differentiate differentiate yourself is just be like a consultant have that business mindset because a lot of people get into data and they're just kind of like data crunchers. and they, mm-hmm. But they can't talk to the business. They can't ever make those conversations and so the business doesn't want to deal with them because they don't speak the same language. That's right. So I'm like you need to be a business consultant and, and then like a data analyst, data scientist second. Uh, is if you can have that skill set and you can talk to people and you can actually think business wise uh, then you're going to go far. I'm, I know a lot of data scientists where I'm like Have to tell them every single little thing, and I'm like, you're basically like a program yourself. Like I have to program every single little detail of what I want you to do, for then you to go to do it. Right. And so I'm like, you're not going to go far with that. Right. So that's that's one piece of advice I would give to our listeners that I've really seen in this in this whole world in this realm of data analytics and science is that you can't just be robotic. You can't just be. You have to be a, a personality. You have to be someone. They'll go to and say, "Hey, I know Jared's got the right data. I'm going to go to him because he's always nice. He's always, you know, cordial with me. He thinks beyond just what I tell him, uh, and that's how you make it pretty far."
2: Well, that's my same advice. Is that it's it's all about people, and uh, if if you can learn to take somebody's requirements, and say, and even in, they're not going to know, right? And and be able to distill that and say, "Is like like Ken, I don't know how much money I'm sp- I'm getting from all of my marketing." If you are able to take that, do data science stuff with that verse, that that statement that he said, and provide him something of value, there will always be a job for somebody that can solve problems and distill problems that way. So if you're able to take what the business tells you, translate that to your data science stuff, and then translate it back, there's always going to be opportunities for you.
1: Yep, And that's that storytelling. That's it. Yep. So I want to get... A, a, a little
0: bit of a personal question and then we can get into kind of our uh, our creed question that we always ask sure. our our uh, our guests on the on the podcast. So maybe a personal question is the whole purpose of our brothers creed, right, is to to develop our own personal creeds to become better, to become better people, husbands, wives, sons, fathers, whatever it might be. How can knowing a little bit um, or a lot of it about data and analytics, how can that help kind of the average Joe in his life
2: every day? Oh, man.
0: Maybe you're not, you know, suggesting massive changes to the board. Maybe you're not, you know, making, you know, have a business about data analytics, but how can maybe just kind of, you know you said you have a smartwatch you know how can tracking your own data help improve your own life
2: I, th- I think understanding data and understanding what it can do and uh the the positives and negatives of it um is almost required in our world um you know it's it's like using a computer Right. You see some of the older generation maybe doesn't know how to use a computer and their lives would be really benefited by it. And in some cases, they kind of have to know how that works, especially like if they have a smartphone, they have to know a little bit of how technology works. Otherwise, they accidentally took a cre- the picture of their social security card and put it posted on Facebook. Right. So understanding that all of this information, that all data is just information, information is data, Um can be a tool for you, even if you don't know how to crunch it, even if you don't think that you could put it thrown it in Excel, if you don't, can't write a SQL command, if you can't write in Python or R or, or SAS or, you know, C sharp, whatever, understanding that, um, that you have data, some of it needs to be protected and more than likely your data is on, is out there somewhere and you need to keep it safe. At least if you can do that, the bare minimum, I think that's what's, that's really important. How do we do that? There are a variety of ways. How do you do that, I guess? I would first start just um, make sure your passwords are really sophisticated. Make them long, special characters, numbers. um, That would be the first thing. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story, and if my mother-in-law is listening, please forgive me. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, Debbie. Um, She has a friend who um, she was putting together like a family history book, and so she asked everybody, she asked all, in the family group chat, right, she asked all of her kids and said hey can you give me the names and ages of all of your like of you guys and all of your kids and where they were born because she's making a family history scrapbook right yeah her friend is really sweet and really nice and I was the first one to speak up and I said I'm not comfortable sharing this information because ages where you were born and full names like this is like three of the five security questions that you set up
1: your mother-in-law's maiden your mother's maiden name. Yeah, exactly. And so place of birth, place of birth. Yeah, exactly. Like,
2: and, and she almost could have asked like, what was your childhood friend's name? You know, like like, what street was the, was the name of the street you grew up on? Um, (laughs) and so I was the one that raised my hand. I was like, this is dangerous. She means nothing by it. I totally get it. Um, but let's not put it on. And so, you know, she asked a few more times. She's like, wait, so you don't want to do this? And I was like, I was like, I really appreciate everything she's doing. You know, I do not <laughs> want to do that. So it's just kind of knowing like, you know, what's, you know, those types of personal things they, we, in the industry, we call it PII personal yep. identifiable information. Yep. Um, people can take that and use it against you or spend all your money.
1: Yeah. When I was at Citibank, uh, they f- found out that one of the, keywords was your mother-in-law's maiden name yeah and so people would just figure that out they would call in and, and they would they would call in scammers would call in or they would go into the bank and say, oh man i forgot my credit card or my debit card i didn't need to withdraw my name is you know jane doe and uh, i need to log in and say okay well what's your what's your keyword oh it's my keyword is uh you know thomas uh oh that that's your mother's maiden name okay so you know thank you. How much do you want to withdraw all of it? You know, wow. and that was, and that was a huge fraud thing. And so they'd have people at Citibank scouring the dark web to find out these little scams that people were doing. Um, exactly for that.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, they're out there. People are out there and you know, and, and there's I mean, the, the government's putting up regulations. You know, if somebody steals your money, there's a way to get it back and, and everything. But if you can just, if you can take away that headache by, mostly just making sure your password's strong and different for everything. Don't use the same password. Don't use password as your password. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, three, four. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Uh, you know, make it different and don't make it a sane. If you do make it a sane, add tons of special characters and numbers. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things that you can do. Um, you know, with your own personal data.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, that's awesome. I, I think that's really great. Uh, I guess, well, let's last question for you. We had here is uh, about your personal creed. Uh, we always ask this question to our guests about, you know, creed is something, uh, of uh, principles or beliefs that help shape or guide your life. And we ask folks to share either a quote or a mantra or, or some type of, uh, something that keeps them going to build their creed. So we'd love to hear your piece of your creed.
2: Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll share it from a professional sense. Cause we've talked about kind of my professional life, but, um, I have always thought of uh, business as service. Um, there's a, a rabbi I like to listen to. His name is uh, Daniel Lappin, so he has, he has a podcast too. But he talks about um, if he, he talks about business is just the way of serving people. And if you serve people enough, they will thank you with green pieces of paper with dead old men's faces on it, right? <laughs> and that's and that's the transaction of our economy. It's not we're trying to you know take advantage or not, or we're actually trying to like serve somebody and people are thanking us money's not bad. It's money's not evil. And so every morning when I pray, I'm a consultant. Mm-hmm. So every morning I say my prayers and it's right. You right before work. And I always ask and say, help me to just serve my clients. It's, mm-hmm. it's just service. I'm just serving them. If they like my service, they'll thank me. Yeah. If they don't, then that's on me. I need to improve. And if I am thinking about them as a way to make money instead of a, somebody to serve, I'm approaching everything wrong. Yep, and uh, it helps me be a whole lot less stressed, and it helps me approach every situation much differently. It and I don't treat people as an adversary, as a block, t- in order and in, in, to a goal of getting promoted or getting a certain salary. I see them as as a way just to help, and it is true. I've I've proved that out. Is that people thank you for yeah. it, and uh, and it makes you do everything better makes you understand business requirements because you're seeking just to help somebody Mm -hmm. and, and on the other way on the other side of it. And it helps you plus whatever you're doing, you give them a little bit extra and a little bit more and they're grateful for it.
0: Yeah. I like that. The, if you can add value to someone else through, like you said, service, then yeah, I think the more value that you can add, the more service you are to someone, then the more they'll thank you for your service,
1: right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I've been listening to the book uh, Atlas Shrugged recently, oh. and basically, this, you know, that's what it's about. Is it's just like the service that you provide, the value that you provide to the world, is blessing them too, and you're kind of all scratching each other's back. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be making money because that's them showing their appreciation back to you. Uh, that you have created a product that, that is worth their time and worth their money, right? So, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. So, Ben, I know you got. Uh, where can our listeners find more about you? I know you have a blog that you do. Uh, tell us about yep. all that. Where where can they find you?
2: Yep. So two places you probably can find me. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn. I try to post there regularly every day. Um, that's my new atomic habit. Then I'm okay. working. There on. you go. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, and then uh, I, I'm also you can find me on Between the Data. Is my company BetweenTheData.com. dot com, and uh, yeah, so I post I post blogs there, um, tools, tool sets, free tools are on there. Um, ways to, to change your paradigm and look at your data um, is there because uh, my the the tagline of Between the Data is Business is a conversation, data is the words. Nice, so, love yeah. that. Now, do you do
1: uh, consulting for companies all around the U.S. or just locally or have you done any remote kind of work?
2: Yep, yep. So any anybody, um, the, the cool thing about data is that it's very transferable online. So uh, you know, we if, if we can keep it safe, we mm-hmm. can uh, you know look at it. So anybody, you know, if if you're local, we can we can talk. But uh, you know, data is just as easily accessible uh, online. So I, I've helped people, uh, yeah, all over the world, um, and then also you know in my own backyard. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So if you have a, if you a small business or something, you mostly work with small businesses or do you work with any small, medium sized
2: businesses? Yeah. If you have a, if you have like a small headcount, usually a team of 20 is probably the max that I'm able to, um, to help out with just because um, there's a non-compete act I have to okay. work, work against. Yeah. Uh, uh, and for, um, but, uh, but yeah, if you have, uh, you know, if you have any, but you can always hit me up on LinkedIn. If you yeah. have questions, I'm always, you know, I can, I'm, no charge, of course. I'm willing to help, and uh, if you need if you need advice for the data science world, I'd i love to help out. And I post things regularly on how to think through cases and how to think through data from a business perspective all the time. So.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm not very active on LinkedIn, but when I am, I always see your posts and I always enjoy them. Oh, well, thank and I you. like them as much as I possibly can. I and I, <laughs> and I, and I see that, and I appreciate I
2: appreciate that. So,
1: <laughs> so well, thanks for joining us, Ben. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. And to our listeners, let's build that creed together All right, let's do it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys.